We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of draft class i'm chris percy and here as always to bring you into another great conversation today's guest someone i've been a fan of for years so it was really cool for me to finally have my own show to bring him on because i've been a fan of his show for uh, two plus years now so floor and ceiling on youtube is the name of the channel wilco is the name of the guest uh he has some great perspectives on players and prospects he does videos on YouTube about individual prospects. Um, one I really recommend is his Shade and Sharp video. You'll hear us get into the Sharp a bit more on this show, but after the show, if you want, I, that's the video I would go check out is his Shade and Sharp video. Um, and yeah, I, I just got to say, welcome to Draft Class. Thank you as always for the support through the first two episodes. You guys are the best. And I, I really love this conversation I was able to have today with Wilco. Um, and I hope you guys do too. Joining me now is Wilco Martinez Cachero, uh, or just Wilco uh, for the purposes of today's show, aka Floor and Ceiling 
on YouTube. This is a channel that I personally, um, I just finished telling him that I've been watching for minimum two years. Right. So as someone who loves sharing my draft opinions with you guys, um, this is someone that I now have the honor of bringing on my show to share some of his opinions with you guys. Cause I was tuned in and I'm always tuned into his videos, you know, for years now. So Wilco, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's great to have you. I'm doing well, bro. I appreciate you having me on looking forward to getting into it and yeah, bro. I appreciate the support. Of course, always your, your content is worth it. Um, I wanted to start off light here and just ask what made you want to start floor and ceiling? Like what, what was your motivation to start that YouTube channel to get so interested in the NBA draft? Was it, you know, it started with the draft and then led to the channel or, uh, what, what, what was the process there? Yeah, you know, I think for me, the first NBA draft that like I really, really paid attention to was that um, that year with that Duke team that had um, like Jalo Okafor, Justice Winslow, all those guys. So that was kind of like the first year that I really paid attention to it. Um, I yep. think Cat like, went number one that year. Um, after that, my interest just kind of kept growing. And then it was always something I was interested in, but like I wasn't really putting out content or anything like that just because I was so busy with school and like with social life and all that. Yeah. Um, but then like once the pandemic sort of got underway, um, I was actually in New York um, during the pandemic um, studying there, doing my undergrad. And then once everything kicked off, um, I had to go back home to Spain. Um, I was just living there by myself for like a while. I was like, all right, um, you know, I can't just be like doing nothing all the time. Let me like try to do something. Let me try to get something going. And uh, that's how everything started. That's fire, man. I mean, you know, personally, you know, I'm, I'm like I mentioned, I'm 19 years old. Um, for me, this draft stuff started like my love with it started uh, back when I was working for Sports Illustrated, writing Nick's articles for them and the pandemic hit right and my job was to be like like the i might i joked that i was the first responder uh for like any breaking news you know like and then the pandemic hit and i was like that joke does not hit the same anymore um so but like yeah i was always like first on breaking news right and then there's no news coming out for months and I'm just kind of sitting writing about like what MSG networks is going to play on television the next day. Like I was like, yo, this, <laughs> this cannot go on, bro. So I talked to my editor, uh, Howard Megdahl, who is, is an awesome, awesome writer. Um, and I, I love the work he does over uh, supporting and covering the WNBA, just like fantastic journalism over there uh, at the nine. But he, I asked him, I was like, yo, I think, I really like the NBA draft process, but I don't even really know, you know, like I, would you give me a shot at doing some prospect profiles, talking about it a little. And I, I promised to put the work in on my end, you know, and, and watch the tape and everything. He was like, you know what? We got nothing else going on. <laughs> Go ahead. And that's how it started for me. Like just, I fell in love with the process of learning about these guys and, and coming up with your own takes. So of course your videos, you know, big inspiration to seeing you talk like so confidently about these guys, right? Like that's, that was kind of something I, that inspired me for sure. Uh, get it, getting into this. I also wanted to ask because this is Nick's film school. Um, do you have any, you know, connections, any hatred, any, any, uh, you know, like guilty pleasure, love for the Knicks? What are your, what are your thoughts on, on our franchise I mean, over here? 
I have a I have a lot of love for New York in general, right? So a lot of my friends are um they're all Knicks fans. Like a lot of them are Knicks fans. Um, and you know, as you know, being a Knicks fan over the last decade or so has had has had its ups and downs. Definitely a lot of downs. But you know, I, I love how lo- how loyal Knicks fans are. Um, I like you know basketball in New York is pretty much a culture there. It's a religion there. So that's always something that I've appreciated about the city. Um, I've always enjoyed, you know, either chatting about basketball in New York, you know, just chopping it up with whoever about what's going on in the NBA or just, you know, playing pickup or whatever the case may be. So New York for me is definitely a guilty pleasure. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. The Knicks are in it. I've loved going to Madison Square Garden the couple of times I've been there. Yes, sir. I'm definitely, you know, I'm not a Knicks fan, but if I can, you know, see them doing well, I'm going to be happy with that. I'm glad you made it to the Mecca. I love that place. Um, I joke that it's my second home, but only I know it. <laughs> like no, no one at MSG knows it. You know, they don't, none of the guards remember me. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't got that juice there. Um, but I'd sleep there if I could, honestly, I'd, I'd find a, I'd find a corner in the merch store that, that works for me um, to, to bring things to the team in general, you know, we have a new front office or, you know, that new tag is kind of wearing off on Leon Rose, William Wesley and company uh, as some fans starting to grow a little frustrated with them and no longer, you know, see them as this new entity that came in to run the team. Uh, but they've been here for, for two full seasons now. And in that time, they've drafted a lot of players before we even get into the 2022 NBA draft class. I wanted to ask you about, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, even Rokas Chokubaitis, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims. And, and then, of course, you know, they didn't draft him, but they took their 19th pick, traded out, and then took the, what they got back and swapped it for Cam Reddish. Um, so those are all the young guys that they've added, that this regime has added. And we know their coach notoriously relies on the, the roster's veterans, but... Again, this front office has added a lot of young talent. Do you think, to, to put this concisely, do you think they have a type? Do you see a, a consistent factor in those players? Because I think what's interesting is personally, I don't see one on the court between all the, the guys that they've drafted, Obi, quickly, you know, QG, Deuce, Jericho, and, and like and Cam is a di- whole different thing. And then there's Rokas overseas, but like, do you think they have a type? Is there a factor that you see like, oh, if there's a guy in this draft that has X and Y, the Knicks are looking at him? I think, yeah, it's tough to say. I don't think there's like one common denominator. I think I think there's a few things to focus on. Um, the first one, you touched on it, but with Leon Rose, um, you know, with World Wide West in the front office, um, there's always going to be those Kentucky links there. Um, you know, even with Leon Rose, um, not just, you know, in free agency, but also with the draft process, I'm sure he's going to be looking at guys from CAA coming out of CAA and sort of focusing on that. Um, so that's an interesting sort of aspect to it. But also, I, I think the Knicks, you know, they've been focusing on athletes. Um, that athleticism shows up in various ways, but I think they're looking for quick, powerful guys. Um, Obi Toppin, you know, Emmanuel quickly, he's not like the strongest guy, but he definitely has that, you know, burst of pace. Yeah. Uh, RJ Barrett, even though that came before that, but RJ Barrett <clears throat> is a very good athlete too. Um, you know, Jericho Sims, excellent athlete. Um, probably like his biggest strength is his athleticism at this point, honestly. So I think that's one common link. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I struggle to see something that really covers everyone across the board. I do think that the Knicks, a lot of what they sort of try to focus on are guys who in theory should be able to handle the ball to some extent. Um, even if it's just like in like two or three dribbles, like for example, like Obi Toppin, um, if he like really becomes a consistent shooter from the outside and he can just attack closeouts in two to three dribbles, that's all he really needs. Um, Cam Reddish, he's probably the one guy who's not an elite athlete or like a very good athlete, but he can definitely handle the ball a little bit in theory. Um, so that's something that I think sort of links all of them. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the other thing I noticed is like off the court, I think all of these kids are either really quiet um they're like really addicted to the grind to to put it a certain way like jericho sims dude like that kid <laughs> i like i bet 40 percent of nick fans have never in their life heard his voice you know what i mean like he's just dead silent um and quentin grimes all over you know tiktok him and deuce but again those two are like really silent um in general so like iq and obi never like say a word ever they just like tweet about basketball games that are on tv and like go to the gym together <laughs> you know so i think being an agent, one one perspective I think I could offer here with with Leon Rose is that someone he seems to look for or something he seems to look for when looking at someone for the draft is like, hey, I run a, an organization. I run a workplace. Do I want to add this person to this workplace? You know, like, is this someone that people would like working with every day? Is this someone who is going to push the group forward? Um, he seems to be really in on adding like good dudes <laughs> to, to put it, you know, like that. Um, and I don't think, you know, it's, it's, I don't think like fans can know who will fit that bill. Right. Because we don't interview these players. We don't get the access to uh, talking to them and asking them different questions. Or if you're Phil Jackson making Dennis Smith Jr. eat raw octopus. Um, and like we don't we don't get those opportunities. Right. So I think it's fascinating to kind of watch the Knicks draft and just see like, oh, that guy does fit their belly. I never saw them taking Quentin Grimes in the first round. I thought they'd target him at, you know, 38 or whatever picks they had in the second round. And then they take him at 25. And I'm like, you know what? Tom Thibodeau is like, th that makes so much sense. So I, it's been fun to watch them draft. I want to get to this year and, and get to this upcoming draft class. Um, in this draft, who are some guys that if the Knicks took them, you would look at that pick and say, oh, you know what? That does make sense. You know, maybe I didn't think about that a whole lot. Maybe I didn't uh, mock him to New York a whole bunch, but that would make sense. You know, like I feel like people are just kind of shoving Ty Ty to us because he's a Kentucky yeah, guard, yeah, but I don't, sure. I don't see them taking him, you know? So who's someone for you that you'd be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. Leon Rose would like that guy. You know, someone for me who makes a lot of sense and there's the Kentucky links, but even beyond that, um, cause like those are kind of tenuous at best, but I think one guy who really makes a lot of sense for New York is Shaden Sharp. Oh, um, you're speaking my language. Good athlete. Um, there's like, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that he's an elite athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete. I think he's like a very good athlete. I agree. I agree with you there. Actually. I think between his handle and his athleticism, there are a couple things about Shaden that are getting overrated right now because of like sure. that, that mystery factor with him. And I love the mystery factor. I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for it. Like he didn't play. I, I love that shit, but like, um, 
I think his handle and his athleticism, I totally agree with you. Yeah, the handle still needs some work. Like you, you can see the flashes, but it's not really overly consistent yet. Um, you know, I, I, I buy the self-creation off the dribble, but definitely, you know, still has to grow into making that not just flashes. And to be fair, you know, that's a lot to expect um, from someone, you know, in his position, hasn't even played one game of college basketball. So it's kind of hard to tell how his, um, you know, pull-up package and all that has sort of developed over the last few months. But if we're looking at, you know, EYBL highlights, high school games, things of that nature, Shaden Sharp definitely looks impressive um, on offense. And then also on defense, um, I touched on it on my video about him, but I really think he has the potential to be a defensive stopper, um, you know, very, very long, very rangy, can cover a lot of space when he moves sideways um, and backwards. And then, you know, if you're able to sort of round him out on both ends of the floor, um, he's still so young, uh, you know, you can really just mold him into whatever you want at this point. And yep. if the Knicks are able to be the team who does that, then I think that they definitely should go for it. IQ, Shaden, RJ, Obi is like hilarious to me. <laughs> like just the thought of that. You go, what, what about small ball going like IQ, Grimes, Shaden, Cam Reddish at the four and Obi at the five. Like there are so many things the Knicks could do with Shaden Sharp that would result in basketball that I think I would really enjoy watching. He is someone who, for me, I currently have him number four on my big board behind the three big boys, you know, uh, Chet, Paolo and Jabari, but I've got Shaden next before Jaden Ivy, which I know in Nick's Twitter world is a, is a real hot take um, just because what Ivy could do for this young core uh, and, and what like his game, if he does develop into like a point guard for real, like that, what that would unlock within the Knicks young core, I get it. Shaden just, Oh, we, I, I love those EYBL clips. I love those high school highlights. I, I'm a sucker for what he does at the rim. Um, and, and I think his potential in terms of creating his own shot, like, I just, I love it. Yeah, man. I mean, for me with Shaden, the thing is, I think, you know, he has all the potential in the world. It's just about what you're saying. You know, is a team willing to sort of make that leap and say, all right, we're only really going to be watching this guy on like one on zero workouts because straight and sharp is not going to put himself in a position where, you know, after building this intrigue and mystery all year, all of a sudden he's going to be able to potentially expose himself in a workout. He's just going to be there in an open gym where you're going to see all the athleticism, the length, the shot making, you know, and it's unguarded, but when you're watching it, it definitely looks enticing. So it just depends on whether or not the Knicks front office is willing to make that gamble. And even within the gamble, I think, you know, it's sort of a calculated risk because shade and sharp, usually when you have a guy who is so highly recruited, so, who is so highly ranked as well, the likelihood of them being a total bust, especially, you know, over the last few years has really, you know, decreased, I think. Um, Anthony Simons is an example of a guy who, you know, did not play a second of college basketball and then really found his niche, really found his space in the NBA. Guys like that. Um, you know, even guys who like didn't play as much in college and go into the NBA, they still, you know, do very well or in the G League. So I think that bypassing college nowadays has not become so much of an impediment to being a high draft pick, but it definitely still takes a front office who's willing to do that um, to pick someone like Sharp. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard there are a couple teams um, that would consider Shaden at number one, three teams to be exact, but uh, they're all franchises that 
have the time for that. I think I think is the way to put it. Um, and that would be because Jaden's a bit of a project in the sense that like this is not some Anthony Edwards draft pick where like you have a chance of this guy being all star caliber player in year two. Like I think Shaden, you know, would need a year or two in the NBA and in NBA weight rooms and all that, tightening up his handle um, and getting used to playing against NBA bodies uh, to, to be ready to play at that. That's that just real like contributor on a good team uh, in a starting role. Like that's tough to get to, um, but there's a path for him. I just don't think it's, you know, covered in roses and red carpets. <laughs> there's going to be some work to get there uh, in terms of other guys in this draft class. I wanted to bring up um, some players that have been kind of the talk of the town recently. Some guys that have either come up in the first two episodes here on draft class that we haven't deep dived as much or uh, just people that I, I need to get your opinion on just, just not selfishly because it's for the Knicks, but you know, I'm just, it's a couple guys that I got to just throw out there. Um, I want to start with Keegan Murray. And I know it's a strange place to start, but the Knicks loved Obi Toppin. And I know they love what they have in Obi Toppin. And they did before that stretch he had as a starter at the end of the year. That just, you know, affirmed their organizational love for him. Um, do you think that if the team were to move off of Julius Randle, which we've had some Knicks beat reporters say they might look to do if the price is right, do you think they might be interested in Keegan? As another, just uh, this is the clear best player available at this slot. He can come in and contribute off the bench. We'll start Obi. Is that something you think New York would do? Is that like going to give Tom Thibodeau a stroke um, to have another rookie take a big rotation spot? I know he's older, so that might you know mitigate that a bit. But how do you feel about Keegan Murray to the New York Knicks? You know, especially now that trading Randall might be a possibility. There wouldn't be a gigantic positional overlap there. Yeah, so uh, I'll preface this by saying that I, I really like Keegan Murray. I think Keegan Murray, um, like you were just saying, I think there's a very good chance that for any team really in that like top eight-ish range, there might just be a point where it's like, all right, this guy is the best player available. Should we take him or not? And for me, I think whether you take him or not depends on a few things. The first one is positional overlap. And I think that the Knicks, like you were sort of mentioning they can solve that, um, you know, if Julius Randle goes and then something that I sort of wanted to see the Knicks try out more often is um, playing Obi Toppin sort of as a giant wing rather than like as a small big. I think like that's an interesting usage of his skill set. And if you bring in someone like Keegan who can push off, you know, in transition, who can grab and go, um, who is always going to, you know, have that sort of like mid post um low wing face-up ability to just take a guy on one-on-one -on -one. and even if he's not you know the quickest or the most athletic he's got a good handle for his size you know at six nine very strong um you know great package around the rim can create his own shot a little bit you can see the flashes of him being able to space the floor as well got him much better at that this year um so in terms of positional overlap i'm not too worried for the knicks um but yeah i i do think you know your coach would maybe have a little bit of a hard time digesting having to play Keegan Murray for, you know, big minutes in the rotation. He would probably end up pushing Obi to the five before he played him at the three. And that's just because he is so terrified 
of what might happen defensively. That's just it. It's all, it's always, he thinks of a lineup and he goes, Oh, but what might happen on defense? Then they go out there and they get like one, they let like one easy bucket up timeout, kill it. Darlings, you know, like he's, he's like, screw that. We're going right back to the vets. Like, and they could let up a million buckets and he doesn't care, but it's about like the kids, they got to, they got to play his way when they're on the court. Uh, and that's why I like Keegan. I think he would fit in. And I think he's someone the Knicks might look at, you know, say, Oh, say the draft falls a certain way, a bunch of, you know, project, a bunch of athletes go and Keegan sitting there at 11. It kind of feels like Obi being there at eight. You know, I, I have a hard time convincing myself to pass on that value. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I wouldn't pass. I would not pass on that. If Keegan Murray is available at 11 at 12, um, I, I take him and I figure it out later because I think especially in a draft like this, where there's a lot of uncertainty, the deeper that you go, um, if you're able to have sort of a guy that you know is going to have a role in the league for a long time in Keegan Murray, you take him and then, all right, you can explore moving him. You can explore moving Obi top and you can explore, you know, packaging whatever into a deal for X player, but at least you're giving yourself that option. And at least you're giving yourself the possibility of seeing, all right, is it going to work if we have Keegan Murray in New York? Is it going to work if we have him playing for the Knicks? Is there a way that he can mesh with our front court and with our defensive, you know, necessities, um, not just individually, but what the team needs. So I think it's, it's more so about that for Keegan Murray because offensively, I think he's going to get his no matter what in the NBA. Um, he's not going to be as dominant as in Iowa. He's not going to be as big of a focus. Like there isn't going to be as big of a focus on him offensively as in yeah. Iowa. It reminds but me of Obi. Allow him to expand. Yeah, for sure, for sure, one hundred percent. Obi at Dayton, you know, being the clear number one option. Keegan, Iowa, clear number one option. We saw how that went in the tournament, um, which you know, uh, you, that's not an indictment on him as a prospect, but it's it's a thing that happened. You know, you you need him with several other creators on the floor, like at this stage right now, at least. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. 
Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I've been floating the idea of them taking a wing in the lottery a whole lot on this show. And the reason for that is because I know they've got RJ Barrett. They've got Quentin Grimes, uh, RJ, the creator good defender, starter caliber player, you know, in the last 30 games this season, all-star caliber player for real. Like he just shouldered that offensive load and was productive enough, you know, in it to, for me to say, Hey, uh, this guy's for real IQ. I know, um, is not really a wing, but Tibbs, you know, has put him at the two before. So that's definitely something that that's need that needs to be considered. Like, I think he's a one Right. So I am not worried there, but between all these wings, like Cam Reddish too, I think the Knicks are in a great spot where they could add one more. They could add a guy like Jeremy Sohan or, or even Tari Eason. Right. And they could kind of complete quote unquote, this wing core of theirs with one of those grittier guys um, to, you know, bang down low. What do you think about that fit about the fit of uh, a Sohan or Eason? versus someone like, you know, Mathurin versus uh, someone else I want to get to, Usman Dieng, you know, like what are your thoughts there on, on New York adding a wing and what kind of wing they should look to add? So if I'm looking at, you know, strictly sort of what the team MO has been recently on the court, I mean, then yeah, someone like Jeremy Sohan makes a lot of sense with his, you know, multi-positional versatility on defense, good athlete, um, you can see, you know, some flashes in his offensive game, but at the same time, you can tell he's never going to be a guy who demands too many touches. So that fits well next to someone like RJ Barrett, for example, who I think in the long term, the Knicks really need a lot to run through RJ Barrett for the ball to go through his hands in order to have the best chance of success. So if you're doing that, then definitely someone who's more so of a low volume guy on offense, like Sohan, like Tari Eason makes sense. They can guard multiple positions on defense. Um, you know, they're mature in their approach as well, which sort of fits what we were talking about earlier. Um, if you're looking more of a guy in the mold of like a Quentin Grimes who can come in, you can plug and play him offensively, um, you know, in not a huge role, but he can definitely do some things besides just, you know, taking spot up open threes. Then, yeah, like Ben Matherin makes a lot of sense. I really like him. I think 
not only is he going to be a pretty good three-point shooter in the in the NBA, I would think, but he's got some juice with his passing. Um, he's big, definitely very athletic, um, competent on defense. And if you sort of make his role a little smaller than it was at Arizona, and you really have him, you know, focus on, you know, defending on one end, you know, you defend hard, you do this, you do that. And then on offensive role simplified, I think Ben Matherin can be really good or even Ochaik Baji. But with Usman Jang, he's very interesting. He's very, very interesting um, because at the top of the draft process way back when in the summer, this was a guy who came in with, you know, I would say lottery buzz. Um, when it was announced that he was leaving France to go to Australia and play in the NBL, I think that people within draft circles were pretty excited to sort of see what his game would look like um, in the pros. And at first, he really, really struggled. I mean, he looked very um, green, very unready physically um, to play against grown men. But as the season went on, he really started to figure it out. Um, New Zealand at first really just had him playing off the ball, which didn't really fit his strengths. He's more of a guy who needs the ball in his hands, who needs to run, you know, side pick and rolls once in a while, or, you know, come off a pin down and then be able to attack the paint or whatever the case may be. And as the season went on, he really started to figure that out. Um, you know, he started being more, more forceful with his drives. And even if he couldn't finish every time, because he is still skinny, um, at least he was, you know, drawing contact, which would get called in the NBA. You could see him, you know, run the pick and roll and pull up when like the defender went under the screen. So all of those things with Jang are very encouraging. And they sort of make you think that if everything really pans out, then he might be the best offensive talent of the wing bunch in this draft. Yeah. But at the same time with Jang, it's sort of what we were saying earlier. You need a lot of patience and a lot of time to develop him um, because the first couple of years, I would not be surprised if he, you know, got a lot of G League reps. Yeah, someone who really might need, like I was going to use the same word, those reps um, and just working against these more NBA bodies, um, working against, or rather in, in this league with, you know, the three second rule and everything, like he's really young. It might not be a, a sure shot that he could come in and contribute right away, but he's someone I really wanted your take on because, uh, He's, you know, number one trending on Billboard right now this week in draft world. Uh, he's he's like his, his name is hot. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm glad you got to give that spiel on him, because for me, he is like a bit of a mystery box. Right. And you could get something really good out of it. But then you have someone like Oche Abaji, who is more of a sure thing. And even if it's not, you know, a home run, like you'll take a single, right? Like at, at in the range of like the late lottery right out of it, that 15, 16, like, yeah, you know, you'll take a single or double hit there. You don't need to hit a home run at 16. You could take a good player. Um, and Oche is someone who a lot of Nick fans have brought up to me as well. You know, Mathurin and Oche, I think I kind of see like what their role would be here on the Knicks early on, at least the same way. Um, and you kind of spoke to that a little bit, you know, with reducing their offensive role and just kind of streamlining what it is they do. Uh, we know Tibbs has stuck Obi Toppin in the corner, you know, so he's not afraid to do it. But 
like you were saying earlier, you know, OB attacking closeouts, he's looked good. So guys still find ways to contribute. Um, of course, we want them to be optimized, but Mathurin, Oche, uh, even even Jiang, like when he starts playing, would start playing for the Knicks. Like I think that just like backup three and D wing role is kind of what Tibbs has guys start with. Uh, and Mathurin would be for me, who would be like most perfect for that just because of his catch and shoot ability. Um, and then, you know, you're betting on the upside there. I would love him at 11 if that's where we end up picking, but yeah, Jang is really interesting too. Um, he's but definitely you know, someone, I think someone who's very interesting for the Knicks and sort of like, I think he hits everything that you touched on, but He's not exactly thought of as this type of player, but I think he could become this type of player. And I, I, I think you probably wanted to hit on him a little bit like later, but I think Dyson Daniels is someone yep. who he's intriguing for the Knicks because of, because of multiple reasons. And part of it is also because of where the NDA is headed, where you have sort of these lineups where it's almost like you have three guards who can all handle pass kind of shoot, um, you know, if he was to come in, let's say next to, you know, quickly and RJ Barrett and sort of playing that Ricky Rubio role where he defends, handles the ball, pushes in transition. Um, he's not a great three-point shooter right now. He's still a pretty rocky three-point shooter, but I think his form looks okay. Like it's a little slow and it's a little mechanical, I guess, but it's not super flawed. Um, it's a little bit like Josh Giddy last year, except that with Dyson Daniels, throughout his entire career, you know, going back to youth levels, going back to youth competitions in Australia, he's always been encouraged to shoot a lot of threes. Like he's always taken a high volume of threes and his free throw percentages have never been atrocious. So I'm a little curious to see, um, you know, if I was in those workout gyms, I'm wondering, can this guy, you know, shoot the ball a little bit better than, than it seems? Because if he can, then Assuming that the Knicks were interested in Dyson Daniels, they've got a guy who can definitely dribble. You know, he can definitely pass. He's one of the best passers in this draft. Good athlete, very good size. I, I think he's probably a 6'8", 6'9", type of point guard right now. Um, not in the Ben Simmons mold because Dyson's a lot less athletic, but I think he's also a little bit more calculated with calculating with his dribble. Um, ben Simmons relies on, you know, speed and strength a lot of the time, but Dyson Daniels, you know, can really run a pick and roll and things like that. So if he's there for the Knicks, let's say in that, you know, 10 to 12, 10 to 14 sort of space, I would not be surprised if they, you know, seriously considered taking Dyson Daniels. For sure. I mean, Stone Hanson last week spoke a lot about Dyson Daniels as someone he liked for New York. Um, just because of how he would, you know, play at the start and then who he could grow into as well. It just seems like this could be a good young player for Tom Thibodeau to weave into things in New York. Would he be your pick for New York out of guys like Jiang, um, Agbaji, you know, maybe even like a Malachi Branham, like th that wing bunch that guys are talking about as being that late lotto, you know, cluster of guys or at least caliber. Would Daniels be your favorite out of that group? Personally speaking, in terms of um, like what I enjoy when I watch basketball, yeah, like Dyson is my favorite guy to watch. But I think for the Knicks, um, if they really want to get a wing, I think getting Ben Matherin is their dream scenario. Um, you know, mature, you know, has already spent a few years in college, um, knows what it's like to be the main guy on Arizona and, you know, with Canada as well. So if you ever need him to, you know, grow into that role, potentially, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but if you need that, he can definitely sort of do that. 
um, can play a complementary role on the wing, more of like a three and D type of guy. Um, the D part of that still kind of has to come along for sure. But, you know, if, if you're sort of able to streamline his role and really get him to focus on that, I think what he brings to the table offensively and athletically, you're not really going to find that with many other wings. I love Mathurin. So I love to hear that. Um, I'll ask you this. I'll throw it right back to you. Do you think some of his defensive struggles at Arizona are a result of the offensive load that he carries? Do you think that, you know, with a more streamlined role in the NBA, catch and shoot threes, bring intensity on defense and having that be one of the priorities for him to get on the court? Uh, do you see that improving, you know, relatively quickly, but especially with a coach like Thibodeau, or do you think it's a motor thing that like has the actual, you know, there are steps to take? It's a little bit of both. I think I think there's there's definitely steps to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, when a guy in college, um, when there's such an onus on him offensively, um, you know, when you're so young, um, even if you've spent, you know, a couple of years in college already, when you're just that young and when you're just playing, you know, NCAA hoops is just a completely different beast to the NBA either way. So when you're sort of playing in that environment where you're not necessarily held accountable all the time on D because not every coach is going to do that to a young prospect. Um, especially just because, you know, they recognize that they have to make improvements on that end. So in the NBA, if you make a rotation, if you miss a rotation, then yeah, like you might get benched as a rookie, but not every coach is going to bench a freshman, for example, for missing a rotation. Um, so I think that sort of changes a little bit. Um, if Matherin is just sort of given that role and clear, you know, expectations are defined for him defensively, I think he has the tools to at least be passable. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is going to be a guy who's a defensive player of the year candidate or like a first team all defense guy, but no, for sure. Being as big and as long as he is, um, a lot of the time you can just get away with that in the NBA. If you're not being targeted, that's what it's all about. Matherin just has to make himself, um, not a mismatch. And I think that if he went to the Knicks, especially under Tibbs, um, he could develop into that sort of player where he's fine defensively, he's good offensively, and that's all you really need. Barrett, Grimes, Reddish, Matherin. Oh, oh, I'd love it. I, I would absolutely love that. I'm going to ask you about two more guys. They are the, I call, you know, the draft class uh, exit question. Now it's going to be, uh, it may, maybe this will be the final question uh, for the next couple episodes, just because both of these guys get so much buzz with New York and you talked about Sohan and you talked about his versatility, which is something I really love about him. Um, Tari Eason, his offense versus Sohan's defense seems to be like, all right, well, what do you prefer? What do you want more? Um, what's the answer to that question for you personally? And then if you were the next GM and it had to be one of those two, are you taking Sohan? Like you kind of hinted at earlier, or do you think Eason is a great bet or a better bet rather for, for New York and their young core? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And it's, it's definitely sort of, yeah, like the defense versus the offense and what you value more. And I think for me, at the end of the day, I'm a little bit more confident in what Jeremy Sohan's NBA outlook and role might be. Um, for one, he's a little bigger. He's a little stronger than Tari Eason, or I, I think he's going to be a little stronger down the line once he fills out. Um, he's a little bit, he's very switchable. I think the guy that you can definitely, he can check guards. You can probably like switch him through four on pick holes. 
Um, at times for Miller, he was almost in that small ball five um, on both ends of the floor, actually. Like, you up and then, you know, like, stand in the dunk or stuff like that. Um, but I'm a little concerned about the three when it comes to Tari Eason. And I think that both of their roles in the NBA sort of it does hinge on them being able to space the floor at an acceptable level. But at the same time, I have a little bit more confidence in Sohan being able to get his shot off. off. Um, you know, he can really... He's got a higher release point for one. Um, neither guy has like the best looking jump shot, but I think with Tari Eason, he's definitely a guy that you watch and you're like, oh, there's going to be a lot of tweaking to do there. Even if the form remains like similar um, aesthetically, just in terms of little things like placement and like footwork and maybe like changing the release point a little bit, like definitely, you know, getting it up higher. Just things like that are going to take a lot more time. And with Sohan, I think that the tweaks are a little bit more. Sohan's defense at the end of the day, I really, you know, take a lot of stock in that. I think that the NBA is definitely trending and just moving towards a space where you want to have these guys, these forward-sized players who are able to, you know, switch around the floor and fly around the floor and not be a mismatch defensively against, you know, most guys on the court. I think Sohan, at the end of the day, he's someone who I feel a little bit more confident in athletically um, in terms of stretching the floor um, a little younger, like younger as well, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, I would go with Sohan over Tari Eason. But I think that Tari Eason, if he falls into a team with the right culture, with the right development and someone who is just willing to kind of stick by him and not necessarily mind that you know in year one he might not really like bring anything to you except like in the g league someone like the miami heat something like that i think it would make a lot more sense but for new york if it was between those two definitely jeremy sohan for me all day love it i i love to hear that as a big sohan fan uh welcome man thank you so much again for coming on sharing your amazing perspectives from everything from shots to just like uh, just great stuff it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on i always ask my guests is there anything you want to plug at the end of the show i know you had an article come out recently not sports related but if you wanted to plug that go ahead yeah man for sure um so first i'll plug my twitter at wilco mcv so you can follow me on there nba draft nba playoffs just basketball in general or just once in a while some random music tweets so definitely follow me on twitter um youtube floor and ceiling like you said at the top of the show I'll have my new video um, is going to be on Paulo Bancaro. So that will be coming out shortly. And then, yeah, honestly, you know, just look through all my stuff. Um, recently went down to Tijuana to the U.S.-Mexico border to do some reporting on Ukrainian refugees um, fleeing the war in Europe. Um, I definitely, you know, like to dabble in sort of international reporting, um, print journalism a lot of the time. So definitely check me out there. Any potential employers listening to this, I'm graduating in May. So, you know, the vibes, you know, the deal. Heard that. Um, if you're looking for someone who can, you know, bring a little thing across the table, I'm here. But yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it was a great time. And hopefully, you know, once the Knicks do get that draft pick, we'll see who they take and we can uh, hop back on here and uh, chop it back up. Talk about how he'll fit, man. We'll see. Well, yeah, one of these episodes, I got to explore what happens if they don't pick at all. And if they, they trade the pick completely like they did last year. So yeah, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely circle back. Thank you again for coming on. And as he said, go follow his Twitter and go check out the YouTube floor and ceiling. That will wrap that up for my interview with Wilco of floor and ceiling ceiling on YouTube. 
it's definitely been awesome to have these conversations with these guests. I'm excited for the guests that we're going to have here on Draft Class in the coming weeks. Thank you for tuning in to Draft Class. It was a pleasure to have you this week. We'll see you next Saturday right back here at KFS for Draft Class Episode 4. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.